0: Okay, so let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, we know that it's, it's, the, uh, it's the power um, unto salvation, and so um, we thank you for that, and, and we also know you, that it's, it's how you would have us live, um, knowing your commandments, and then also uh, knowing about you. You revealed yourself to us uh, in a special way through your word, and it's by knowing your word that we can know who you are uh, know your attributes and um, just know that you are in control of everything is one of your attributes and so we thank you for that we pray lord that you would help us to uh, understand it and apply it to our lives so that we would be uh, more like our savior jesus christ in, in whose name we pray amen. amen all right so uh keone why are we here
1: we're here to have assurance of eternal life, to become equipped for ministry, and to know God more
0: deeply. Right. And so that's this this lesson, uh, lesson three, session two, is about God, his character, and his attributes. And uh, so we're going to cover his attributes today. So anybody remember the uh, memory verse? Like Michael?
1: <laughs> First Chronicles 11. Does it? You know it? Be given uh, greatness and the power and the glory and majesty and the victory and majesty.
0: Um, oh, Lord, indeed, everything is yours. Close. Close. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, when you think about that, what's being said here in the first in the first part of that? It's literally covering everything. everything, right? The whole realm of what's there. His greatness, his power, his glory, his victory. Everything, right? Indeed, everything that is the heavens and the earth. Is there anything that's not the heavens and the earth? No. Again, it's just saying everything. And he says, yours is the dominion. What does that refer to?
2: Authority.
0: It says authority, right? It's dominion. When you say dominion, what is your... Dominion. It's almost like if you remember any math or algebra, you have what's known as the domain, right? Well, the domain is the area that the equation operates within. Here's the domain. So, And that comes from a dominion. And it says his dominion, you exalt yourself as head over what? Oh. Overall. Is there anything he's not head over? No, he's head over everything. Right? There's nothing outside his grasp. So we'll, uh, we'll do a quiz today. You can write that on the back. So last week, what did we cover? Well we went over the introduction, the importance of knowing God, how we can know God, and we started with God's attributes. And so we're going to continue that um, until we're not going to cover all his attributes, obviously, but we will we will cover the ones that are typically mm, typically discussed in uh, in describing how God is and relates to us. So what are attributes? So uh, we said attribute is a quality or a characteristic That is true about someone And studying God's attributes allows us to have an, a Limited understanding of God's person Even though some concepts exceed the limits of our comprehension And our ideas concerning God And they need to be as true as possible Alright, right. so Let's look at some of these attributes. Um, whole, uh, we, we studied uh, holiness and righteousness and justice last week. All right, so today we'll probably go through uh, three through 11. So from sovereignty all the way through to mercy. And if we have time, we'll discuss um, the last three there. Now, this is just some. Can we think of other attributes that aren't on here? How about light? Is light, an attribute of God. He dwells in light. He is light, right? And there is no darkness in him. So that would be something that uh, we could discuss as well. Wrath is an honor. His wrath, um, that it would, it would be a be part it. of his justice, right?
1: I believe pink had a whole separate category for wrath. For wrath? wrath. Yeah. Could it. have, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you, there's hundreds, thousands of thousands. Right. So attributes. Yeah.
0: So an infinite being would have a lot of attributes, right? Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good. So let's talk about his sovereignty. Uh, the word sovereign means chief or highest, supreme in power or superior in position to others. And sovereignty is God's right to do what he wants with what is his. So. Who is is in control of all things? God God is, right? And then who is in control of the entire universe? God is, right? Who holds all things together by the word of his power? God does, right? So then, if God owns everything, does God have the right to do what he wants with everything? Yeah, he does. And so we'll we'll look at some verses that state that very fact. So, God controls the universe. Uh, Kimberly, could you read that for us?
3: Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? There if you have understanding. Who has laid the measures thereof, if you know it? I'm sorry, if you know it. Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof
2: fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone?
0: Yeah, so this is God speaking to Job, right? And, you know, he asks these questions. And what do you kind of call this type of a question? Where there's no answer? It's a rhetorical question, right? Is it you? In other words, Job, where were you? Well, Job wasn't yet, right? <laughs> so he wasn't there. And that was the point is that uh, God is, is explaining to Job that God is, um, God is sovereign over everything, God is above everything, God is in control of everything. And so he says that it's eventually it's God who made everything and he's describing the parts of the building and the building is literally the earth and the universe. And so um, I think one of the things he mentions here, if you think about this, talking about the foundations of the earth, uh, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? It's a question of what's holding the earth in place? Yeah, you know, of course, Job has no, has no idea, right? But it's, it's God, and God is pointing out the fact that his thoughts, his understand, everything is far, far above what Job can understand. Right? But he's making it known to him, which is making it known to us as well, right? Uh, okay, so Psalm 24, one, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So there, is there anything left out of that description. Everything, right? He says everything. What about this? Is there? Have you ever thought about this? Is God owns all the people, everywhere. Right. Does the earth contain people, plants, animals, everything? So the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains. He contains it all. I mean, He owns it all. He owns all of us, all the people. Right. Have you ever considered that before? Have you ever thought about it that way? No. God owns everyone and everything. It's all his. So, you know, it's like that, the old saying, "Is you hold on to something like this, it's not yours that hold you hold on to it like this. Like God will take it out or God will put it in, right? So. All right. The extent of God's sovereignty. He sends forth his word and melts them, snow, frost, and ice. He causes his wind to blow and the waters to flow.
3: That
0: rhymes. Yeah, right? I, think, I think on purpose. <laughs> so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Okay, what are these verses talking about here?
2: The
0: Weather. Weather. <laughs> Yeah, right. He causes the snow to melt, right? He causes the wind to blow, right? He causes he causes the sun to rise and set, right? So think about it. What causes weather around the world? This is a deep, deep statement.
1: The weatherman,
0: they cause it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What? So it's like what causes what causes weather? Think about this for a minute. What causes the weather on the earth? His word. Okay, so his word, it's already happening, but it's literally the interaction of the sun and the rotation of the earth, right? And he's saying, well, if he's causing the, if his word, which is literally everything is held together by the Word word of his power. And if he is then responsible or causing the frost, the snow, the ice to melt, the wind to blow, how is he doing that? How is that all happening? It's happening by the interaction of the sun and the earth. The rotation of the earth, the movement of the earth around the sun. That's where your weather comes from. By the way, global warming or climate change or whatever, that all happens all the time and it's all by God, right? Because God controls the weather. Man has nothing to do with it, right? Man can create pollution, you can cause problems, right? But nonetheless, God controls the weather God's the one who controls the climate The climate changes when God says it'll change right. <clears throat> So then uh, Just thinking about this for a minute If God's in control of the weather Did God Or does God control hurricanes?
2: Absolutely.
0: Mm? Did God control Hurricane Katrina To hit New Orleans 10 years ago? <clears throat>
3: yeah
0: how about Hurricane Sandy that hit New Jersey and New York? Yeah. How about earthquakes? Does God cause earthquakes too? Technically, it's not a weather? Yeah. No. No, I'm just kidding. I'm throwing it. <laughs> right? It's a weather or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't
3: know. I've
4: got friends
0: in California
5: who swear the weather doesn't. Yeah, right? They do well, that. Because they always happen weather. in February, or right? It's a, yeah. They, yeah. A
0: they always happen in the winter, <laughs> right? We had the. We had the February, 19, I don't know if you were in, were you in California February 9th, 1971?
5: Somewhere, no, we came just
0: after that. So that was the Silmar earthquake, and then we're in 1994 there. was the Northridge earthquake, yeah. and then in 1980, yeah. I think 86 yeah. or 87, you had the Whittier, Whittier yeah. Narrows earthquake. saw it on the, Landers, the Landers. Landers earthquake. That seemed to be kind 7. of winterish, right? 7.4, 7. 7. yeah, that was a big one, yeah. Yeah, I went there and took a lot of pictures because it was with... LA Water Power. It's really
5: interesting. Yeah. Um, I will not waste all the time, but um, so I lived at the time at the end of the Palm Springs Airport. hmm And the airport opened at seven thirty in the morning. And in the desert, you can hear an earthquake. Right. Twenty seconds before it hits. You can hear the rumble. And it sounds like a jet. Yeah. So if it's before whatever time the airport opened, you know an earthquake was coming. Yeah. If you're laying in bed or getting up to get whatever, and you hear that, you go, "Okay, here it comes." Yeah, you know, but if yeah. the airport's open, you don't know. Yeah, you don't be know. So it right? hits and shaking. Yeah, but you can go out during that earthquake and watch the streets. Yeah, do that just like you see like yeah. the Alaska
0: videos. Yeah, yep, you see. yep. It was It was, amazing. It was weird. Right? I remember. So in 1971, I was uh, I had a paper out, right? So I was getting up to go do the paper out, and the earthquake hit. So it was at at 5:58 uh, in the morning, and it lasted like a minute. It was a long one, oh. you know. So then, you know, afterwards, we go outside and we've got to fold our papers and everything. And, and same thing, you could hear the aftershock coming. It's a rumble. You look down the street, and so we're sitting on the sidewalk, and these are long, you know, this is a grid, a grid. network, you know, so the, the blocks are straight and long, you know. And the lights were all tied together back then. Back then yeah. <laughs> Well, we had no traffic, so it wasn't necessary. But so we would sit there, and you could hear it coming. And you could look, literally, look down the street, and the sidewalk would do this bouncing from here to here to here, and that's just a wave. As the wave comes, your sidewalk does this up and down or over and over like this. It was, yeah. You know, anyway, been
1: predicting half of California half, half, half of, of it. it, it, it,
5: it. To yeah. To the right. Well, there was that senator who. The military if they put too much on the island, would it tip over? Would it
0: tip over? Oh that's Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's a, like a movie. I think it was Guam, right? Was he talking about Guam? Yeah, I live on Guam. I'm glad it didn't tip over when we lived Man, there. Man, I tell you what. And that's the people that run the country? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Alright. So, um God controls plants and the animals, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Kathy, can you read that for us?
4: lines where at
0: Mm-hmm. Keep going.
4: Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, mm-hmm. John seventeen. And the Lord prepared a gourd, but God prepared a worm.
0: Yeah, and so when we we look at that, what is? Uh, let me go back. Sorry. Um, like what is the largest animal that we know of on on the planet right the now? Whale. It's the blue whale, right? They can be up to 98 feet long, 200 tons. And then the whale shark is the largest fish we know of today. Maximum length about 70 feet and 40 tons. And God creates them all. He controls them all. They all go about doing their business all by his design. And so, um, how about this, Michael? Can you read these two?
2: They held the fire... Piles of the air, your heavenly father feeds them, Matthew six twenty-six. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, shall he not much more clothe you owe you a little faith? Matthew six thirty.
0: So the last two slides there, what did, what do we talk about? He said that God controls the lions and their prey, which is the meat. He gives the beasts, he gives the he gives the lions their food, which is meat. Uh, he controls the fish. It says here the gourd, the worm, the birds, the grass. Right? The Bible says God controls it all. So, how about the nations? Keone? can you read that?
1: Yep, those two. Uh, he makes the nations great, then destroys them. He enlarges the nation, then leads them away, Job
0: told. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor of all the nations. So he makes the nations great. And he then destroys them. What does that mean? Does any nation live beyond its God's usefulness or the usefulness of it to God? No. They come and they go, right? All for God's purpose, all for God's glory. What about this country? What happens to this country? What you know, what will happen? Right? (laughs) Right? yeah, I mean it's uh, he. So the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind. He bestows it on whomever he wishes, right? So we have elections here, right? Who puts those people in office? Yeah, God. yeah, God does, right? I mean, we have our part in it, but nonetheless, you know, uh, when the nation, when the people are righteous, they get righteous rulers. When the nation turns from God they get judgment on them, and that's judgment through bad rulers. Oh, we've had a lot of those, huh?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm not naming names, I'm just saying.
2: So. Yeah, that, yeah, that reminds me of like in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar goes out, what, seven years? Hey man, are you
0: looking at my paper? What? No. no. <laughs> and, you
2: know, he, you know, he had that vision he's going to be out for seven years, but his kingdom will be there when he got back. Yeah. And
0: we'll look at that. We'll look at that verse because that is uh, uh, when you read specifically in Daniel where it says that it's 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 telling what happens. Yeah, yeah. So no nation lasts beyond God's intended purpose, Um, and all the nations of the earth will also be uh, used for God's purpose. You know, I remember back in the back in old days. I can say that, like the nineties. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it was uh, a time where uh, people would, would say that, oh, well, you know, the United States would never abandon Israel, right? You know, is, we're their biggest ally. They're, they're a big ally of ours. And then it was, uh, gee, who is that president? Let's see. Oh, yeah, Clinton. So he got in office, and then all of a sudden, there was a, a change in U.S. policy, Towards Israel and all of a sudden they, they started talking about the, this, oh, this Palestinian solution and the next thing you know the United States is no longer such a great friend of Israel and when you look in, uh, in Revelation when it says that all nations will come against Jerusalem people would look at that and say well that would never happen because the United States would never do that
3: mm-hmm.
0: look at this country now you have, a, you have people in, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, you had uh, uh, a congressperson calling uh, Israel a, uh, an apartheid state, a genocide state. This is, this is where you know, that, that kind of rhetoric changes people's opinions of things. And they forget what it says in the Old Testament. I will bless them who bless... You and I will curse them who curse you. This is in reference to nations and uh, Israel. And history is proven over and over and over 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 again, right? Yeah. So, anyway, God's not done with the nations of of the earth yet. They will all do it exactly as He wants them to fulfill uh, His plan and um, He'll get the glory for it. Okay, so, how about man's life? How about this? Um, Sheila, can you read that?
4: God controlled the length of man's life. I'm
1: sorry,
0: I can't do this. Okay? Oh, it's okay, go ahead. Oh, uh,
1: in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. So cool. But God said to oh, him, You fool. This very night your soul is returned
3: to you. Luke 12.
0: Yeah, so when we talk about the first uh, the first verse there, um what does that signify? Our, our whole life. I mean, yeah, he's I mean, us
1: the breath
0: of everything we have. Yeah, I, I mean, have you ever, heard the, you ever heard it said is that your life is in his hands? And this is in reference not only to God, but this is like a king or a ruler or somebody that says that, you know, your, your life is in that person's hands. Could be a judge, even because the judge is going to pass sentence on a criminal. What's it going to be? Is it going to be life in prison, or is it going to be you know the death sentence, or something like that? Uh, and then, yes,
2: there's a lot of people say that in Genesis, where he says he gives man 120 years to live, they said that's how many years we're supposed to live here on earth, but it, is that because of the blood, or no. because? In 120 years, from when he said that, it was going to
0: be a flood. Right, right. And so that was just the t- that was the time. This is how much time you got: 120 years. And then later, remember he said that, he said uh, to Moses as well. And then how long did Moses live?
2: 600.
0: No, no, I'm sorry, not Moses. He's, no, Moses. Yeah, he said it to uh, Moses. to Moses. Moses lived 120 years also. Yeah. And so it was just a reference to there, but it doesn't indicate that oh that's supposed to be our our lifespan because. You know, people lived longer than that. You have, you have Methuselah who lived what, nine hundred and thirty years. nine. Right? Sixty What was it? Nine hundred sixty-nine 969 years. And then you you have all the way up past the flood. You have people living, you know, uh, more than what we do today. Some yeah. immediately after the flood, you had you had uh, Noah and his sons. They lived, you know, into the. 400, 500. Noah lived, what, 900. And then, as time goes on, you see the life span of humans dropping, 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 right? So, uh, But that was just in direct reference to, number one, is that you got 120 years and then the flood's coming. And then it, later it was in regards to Moses.
2: Yeah, there's some people say, well, that's how many years was Moses live, so that's contradictory, it seems like it you know, yeah. only, most well, people live only 80 years now. Yeah. Well, there's a psalm
1: that says, like, 80 years and then 90 years max or something. Do you know what I'm talking
0: about? Up, by strength of... By strength, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Some 80, some 90, by, by yeah, strength of will or something like that. But so, yeah, you know, it's just different. We'll talk about a little bit about that. But, you know, here's the thing is that um, in the second verse we're talking about is that God is the one... Who takes life, right? He said, You fool this very night your soul is required of you. God said that. And then what does that mean? Well, how about this? If you exercise, can you lengthen your life?
3: Not, you might decrease it if you don't.
0: <laughs> Only if it was part of God's plan in the first place, right? Um, can you die before God determines it's your time? No, no, no. So
1: let me give you a pendulum swing though too, because you don't want to say that and then live foolishly. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, there's consequences. And justify,
1: yeah, like skydiving or I mean, right? But that's still within his hand. But you still don't want to just jump off a cliff. You know. What I mean? Right. What does that mean? Like, I,
0: I think there was somebody that said that to Jesus. Just yeah, throw yourself down. You <laughs> no, shalt not test before the Lord God. your God. The angels right. will hold you up. <laughs> right. So it was interesting. My wife and I just talking about this. Uh, uh, I think it was last night, maybe the night before. But, um, you know, it was. I was in a, uh, a motorcycle accident uh, when I was about 20-ish. 20? What was that? How
1: Back in the day. I think it was
0: 22. I was 22, yeah. I had a head-on collision with a car. Oh, you know. And so I was probably going 35, 40 miles an hour, car, whatever, going the other way, 15, 15, 20. I'm about to make a left turn in front of me. So. Um, and you know, many, 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 many people will die in those, those types of collisions. You, know, it, it, you have no, there's no protection on you. I, was, I had a helmet on, uh, and I had just started wearing that helmet a month before. Um, but here's the thing, and I, I say to people is that had I died at that time, I would have gone to hell because I wasn't saved. But, um, and here's the thing to think about is that when are we predestined to salvation? When before are we predestined? Before time began. Before time began. In so, ages at the, of, yeah. so, before time began, literally, we are predestinated by God for salvation, right? And so, if I had died, I wouldn't be saved. I would go to hell. But ten years later, I'd be saved. So what does that mean? Well, it means that he didn't let me die, even though many people die in that kind of an accident. But ten years later, I was saved. And so, it's almost as if you know—it's not almost; it is as if God preserved my life because He would save me later. You were predestined. Predestined. And so, you know, had I known that earlier, you know, would you be reckless potentially, but you know, there's consequences for reckless behavior, right? You might not die, but you could certainly be maimed and injured and things like that. So that's just a thought that you know you need to think about. But, you know, no do, here's another. Does anybody die too soon? You heard that, oh, they died too soon.
3: No.
0: Maybe too soon in our you died young, a yeah. a young person died or something like that. But w- did it take God by surprise? No. No. God was you know God was in control of that as well so every every life on the planet all seven and a half or eight billion whatever it is God's in control of the life a uh, uh, time of every person and what happens to them so that has some that has some consequences for us right um, how about this does somebody look up uh, John 21 18 through 22 Let's, we, can, we can kind of read uh, about the sovereignty of God in that
3: oh that's good
0: John 21, John 21 18, uh, 18 through 22 True.
4: truly truly I say to you when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will bear you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he, oh wait, um, now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would, what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, "Follow me." Peter, turning around, saw this disciple from whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, and what? (laughs) Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me.
0: Mm. Okay, so look at the first verse then. What is the first verse signifying here? He's just mentioning that Someone's gonna die, right? He's just telling him that the death he is gonna die is gonna glorify God, right? So, does God also then control how we die?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. We can die in our sleep. We can die in a motorcycle accident. We can die from an illness. We can die from whatever. God is in control of all that. And the second part of that was uh, verse twenty-one, twenty-two. What he's saying there is if he wanted somebody to remain and live, God could do that as well. What's it to you if he remains until I come? Well, he could do that, right? That would be, it's been 2,000 years. John could still be alive if it was up to God, right? If he wanted him to live. Okay. Yeah. Poor guy, right? So. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I just go to Henry. Yeah, right? <laughs>
0: so then, uh, God also is the one in terms of method by how we die, and the quality of our health and our life, right? Remember in Job 2.6 where God gives Satan the authority to physically torment Job but not to kill him, right? God can give Satan power to do things to people, um, but he, God himself, is the one who controls the life, the death. Satan's on a leash. Satan's out of Well, who does Satan belong to also? Right, we talked about that. Satan is God's Satan. Right? So. Okay. So, moving on with the sovereignty then. We have uh, uh, Isaiah for... Jim, could you read that? Can you see that from there?
5: Yeah. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient time things that are not yet done
0: saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure yeah. so when he says the ancient time what is that the
2: beginning
0: when he says the ancient the times the time. that's ancient is history from all the way, beginning all previous that's all history and then when he says things that are not yet done what is that future. If it's not done that's going to happen the it's the future right so God is saying he's in control everything in the past everything mm-hmm. in the future as well And his counsel shall stand. He'll do all his good pleasure. There's nothing that can interfere with what God wants to do. He's in charge of everything. And he has control over everything. And he does everything by his own counsel. Isaiah 45,
4: 23. Can you read that, Tracy? I can read that much better than I can read this. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That to me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take it up.
0: Again, when, when, when we talk about that, where, where did we see that before? Philippians 2.10, right? When Jesus, when it says about Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus as Lord, right? So the idea of sovereignty is an encouraging mm-hmm. one because it assures that Christ, that that for the Christian, nothing is out of God's control and that his plans cannot be thwarted. So a personal application, how should we respond in light of what God says about his own sovereignty? Well, if we think about it, then knowing what, um, that God is sovereign over everything, it should give us Peace. Right? Because why? Well, because God's in control. And who, if God is for us, who's against us? Right? So all of our actions, all of the things that go on around us, the COVID epidemic, the this, the oh, the famine, the, all these things that people hype up to scare you, you say God's in control. God's in control of everything. Right. He will provide for us. He will protect us. So we don't need to fear like the world fears. Okay, let's move on. How about his eternality? Isaiah forty four six. Uh, Kimberly, could you read that?
3: Um, Thus
5: the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the
3: last. Besides me there is no God.
0: So when he says the first and the last, what does that really refer to? It's like the beginning and the end. And what does that span? Everything. From, from the very beginning to the very end. there's nothing that it doesn't, doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't span. So if God wrote the story, God is in control of the story, God is at the end of the story, he is before and after, he's eternal. There was never a time there was not God, and there will never be a time when there is not God. Think about that. That's a hard concept to understand.
1: Because we're finite.
0: Because we are finite, yeah. Okay. And there's other verses here that you can look up where he says first and last, Alpha and Omega. Isaiah 43:13. Indeed, before the day was, I am he, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work, and who will reverse it? God is in control, right?
3: And
4: especially with with the government and Everybody's trying to deface the, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. They're rewriting everything, and they're redirecting everything and trying to warp it and yeah. put it in that kaleidoscope. But God's Word, you, who nobody can touch it. Can't touch and it. And that is just so comforting. Just
0: Wait, there was a song about it. I can't touch that. Uh. Yes, yes. Oh. oh, my golly. It was... Oh, wait, are we talking about the 90s? You're uh, uh, the wait, 90s. Flashback. Oh, flashback. Flashback. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, so God will deliver me and no one can reverse what God does. Right? It's like, what's going on? You? People are like, what is going on with the country? What's going on? Why? What? Why?
4: But not only does he not reverse what he does, but he's telling you what's going to happen. You're everything, right? That... And you can't change
0: it. You can't change it. You can't change it, no. You can't touch it. You can't change it. You can't
4: touch (laughs) it. So,
0: okay, think about that. Um, Okay, being God, eternal, God is not bound by time, right? He always existed. He sees the past and the future as clearly as he sees the present, right? So, with that perspective, he has a perfect understanding of what is best for our lives. Therefore, we should trust him in all areas of our life, right? Everything. So, personal application, God can be trusted to handle both the big and small areas of our lives in the best way for us. It's like, you know, people get all excited about what's going on in the country as it as it plunges headfirst into
3: destruction. destruction. Yes. Thank you, right?
0: You know, this is all part of God's plan, right? And we can trust Him at His word. It's like, we don't like to see necessarily our country being destroyed from within but it's God's country and God does with it what he wants to we are in it but we are not of it right no what does it say we are of the world no we are in the world but we're not of the world same thing we're in the we're not of it. we are citizens of heaven right so we're here for a purpose though well, what is that purpose to glorify glorify God. To, right? him forever. to enjoy from, that's right. That's the catechism, right? But the other thing is that while we're here we have the opportunity to make an influence on those around us, right? Is it, you know it, people think, oh, you know, we're a Christian nation. Is that true? Is that true? Well, we're a Christian country. No, no. How do you define that even, right? I would say that our constitution is based on Judeo-Christian values. The Ten Commandments are posted in many places in in uh, courts around the country. But to say, oh, you're a Christian nation, I don't know how you can say that. Uh, is the predominant is is are people predominantly Christian? No. Well, I don't think so, right? Because what is the way? It's it's All narrow, right? right? Narrow is the way to heaven and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many that find it. And so when you look at the country, how many are saved?
4: Uh, that's also
0: not few? Right? 33 million. 33, no. right. I mean, it's God's, uh, God's, God's job to know, God's, but the, the point is, is that you know, the Christian values that are in the country benefit the entire nation. When those Christian values are continually compressed and shrunk, and sin abounds then the entire nation will suffer right? because it's God's judgment right? and unbelievers can, can um, obey laws that are established on Christian principles and as a result everyone in the nation benefits but when lawlessness abounds everyone suffers and we are in a lawless Era where people will tell you that right is wrong and wrong is right. Gee, I think that's a verse, right? The
3: Whoa. The right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, well, yeah.
0: But the good thing, thing is this somebody, immutability. There. What does immutability mean? Unchangeable. Right? God never changes in his nature or purpose, right? So then, Malachi. For I am the Lord; I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. God. Right? So God, God doesn't change. People change, but God does not change.
3: Okay.
0: Hebrews six seventeen and eighteen. Michael, can you read that one?
2: Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability. Of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that the that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong constellation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us.
0: So isn't it great to know though that God doesn't change?
2: Mm.
0: Right? When when it says that God uh shows more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, the immutability, the unchanging of his counsel, of his word, of his statements. That, that what he says is, ooh, like the Ten Commandments, what were they etched in? What? I think we use that, right? Etched in stone, meaning it's unchangeable. God's law is unchangeable. And it's a, it's a good thing for us that it's unchangeable because we can rely on his promises, right? So then, because he never changes and he cannot lie, we can take great counsel in the promises of God. And so how can we be under, uh, encouraged by the understanding of God's immutability? Well, the Bible contains numerous promises for those who belong to him. God can be trusted to keep his word. So our personal application is this. Commit to take the time to know and then claim all the promises of God. Know his promises and claim them. Why? Why? Because it will give you hope when it seems like the world is kind of collapsing around you. Name it, and claim
3: it—that's
0: right? <laughs> one way to say it, right? I'm just but saying. <laughs> naming it and claiming it is a, is name is truly naming His promises and claiming them, there right? You go. Unlike mm-hmm. what goes on in the um, charismatics, you know, a million that right? A
3: million
0: yeah. <laughs> That's right. Fund your miracle. Okay. Omniscient. God knows all things past, present, future, seen, and unseen. Nothing can take him by surprise. For his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. Hmm. So, is there anything that God does not know about you? Mm -hmm. Nope. No.
4: And he loves me in spite
0: of it. And he loves me right in spite of it. You got to think God. about that. Uh, Psalm 139, 1 through 6. For the chief uh, musician of Psalm of David, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways For there is not a word on my tongue But behold O Lord You know it all together You have hedged me Behind and before And laid your hand upon me Such knowledge is too wonderful for me It is high I cannot attain it So here we have David Speaking about God's omniscience That he knows Everything about David Everywhere David goes Everything he's about to say And if he hasn't said it yet, and it's on his tongue. What does that mean God also knows? Mm-hmm. He knows his thoughts, right? He knows all his thoughts. And and yet, it's this, what is it when he talks about he's put a hedge in front of him and a hedge behind him? What is that? Protection. That's a safety net. It's protection, right? Got God's net. got his safety net around him. Isn't, you know, nothing's going to happen to David without God allowing it, right? Even in David, uh, giving God all the or or talking about God's omniscience about knowing everything about him when he gets down when he gets up what he thinks just before he says something God already knows it think about that he's completely aware all that I've ever done and all that I ever will I could never surprise him because he knows everything right so here's a question you know have you ever have you ever done something and said why why did I do that and, and think that God is going to be displeased with it he'll be displeased with the sin but God knew it before you did it he knew it from the foundation of the world but yet he still saved you right that's a comforting thought right yeah. so he always knows every thought all the time and so what should we do we should develop an ongoing stream of praise to him we should do no other because he is worthy. Our salvation is eternally secure because of our relationship with God. Not because of something you do or don't do. It's God who already did it for you. And so for us, you know, we are to be obedient because of that. We are to show that, literally show that gratitude by, by obeying him. Demonstrating our love to him. Omnipresence. So God is everywhere in the universe all the time. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And then also in Psalm, there's no place you can hide. Where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So just a thought right there. I want to stop for a minute. When we tell people sometimes... Uh, what happens in hell? You go to hell and we say, sometimes people say, away from the presence of God. Are we, Is that really correct?
3: No, no God the is there.
0: Why, what is really there? The presence of, in hell. His judgment, his judgment his full, wrath, the full wrath of God is there. What is, what is absent from them in hell is the mercy, the, mercy, the grace that they experienced on the earth. When they're in hell, they will get nothing but the full wrath. So God is there. What is absent, though, is all the benevolence that they had while they were on earth.
1: Isn't that Hebrew word sheol, like, which is like the holding place, before, like it's not really referencing the eternal state of hell, right?
0: Um, the, uh, if, I make bed in shield. if I make my bed in hell, yeah, you know, you could say sheol. It's going to be the same right? The people that go Before they get their, their uh, The bodies that are going to be Fit for them for eternal destruction They'll be in Sheol And then after that When the great white throne judgment take, Happens and they're cast Into the, to the lake of fire You know They're going to be there With their, with their Specifically made bodies To endure the torture and they'll, where the worm doesn't die. This is the conscience, and, um, but yeah. So the this is probably hell as sheol. It's the it's the first death where they're you know in the holding place. But it's the same even in hell. God's wrath is still there. Well, the
1: concept, yeah, because it's heaven, and then the opposite of that is the lower part. Of hell.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, if I take wings in the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, uh, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. God sees everything. So then. Since he's everywhere, it's foolish to think we can hide from God. This also means that a believer may experience the presence of God at all times, right? And know the blessing of walking with him. So then why try and hide? Walk in his light and his blood cleanses us from all sin. Okay, omnipotence. God is all-powerful, having more than enough strength to do anything. So let's look at Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. People like to limit God all the time, right? Because they put this human, mm, the human experience that we have onto God and they don't remember that we are not like God, right? God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. But yet, people tend to want to limit God and what his abilities are, right? And that's an improper way of thinking about God. Revelation 9-6. Kathy, can you read that?
4: As I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters. As the sound of the mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah!" For the Lord God, um, omnipotent reigns.
0: Reigns, right? Omnipotent, omni meaning all, and uh, or, or, I said om meaning all, omnipotent power. So all powerful, and He reigns, right? So God. This is in Revelation. This is towards the end of um, of the book. There, and and they're singing and they're talking about God's power. You know, it's. He is in control of everything. So then, how do you answer the, the, the teenager who says, if it's if God is um, is, is all-powerful and can do anything, can he lift a rock that he can't? I mean, can he I'm make crying. a rock so big he can't lift?
3: <laughs> of course
0: not. Right? What do you say to that? Because that way kids bring that I up all he, the time. You
3: know, this is, I
4: was asked that. This is what I can <laughs>
0: Steve made that I'll give you an answer <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's good too that's a good that's a good response you know throw it back on it but it's a, what you say is that is a nonsense question okay it's a Why silly question a right does that you know <laughs> I like that one you think about that right? no he doesn't so, God is omnip- omnipotent seen in his power to create. We saw that in Genesis 1.1, his preservation of all things. We see this in, in Hebrews 1.3, right? Is that who being the brightness of the glory and the image, uh, express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So then... And we also see that in his providential care for us, right? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his mighty hand. Right? Isn't that interesting? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Do you ever think about that? that God keeps us on the straight and narrow, right? And that uh, even if a man falls, what does that fall? Is it, is it fall as it he tripped and fell or is that he sinned? Right? But nonetheless is that God upholds him with his hand. Right? I mean, that's comforting. That's a comforting thought to know. right? Okay, so then we talk about his, uh, his omnipotence. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not look anxiously about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold my righteous right hand. So then, what can uh, you learn from Isaiah 41.10? Personal application is this. Do away with fear. God is in control, right? He has the power to do anything. He will always be with us. He will always strengthen us. He He will help us. He will uphold us. Okay, how about God's love? So, God is love. His love is unconditional. It's not based on the loveliness or the merit of the object. So then, you mean, if I do really good, he'll love me more? No. If I do really bad, he'll love me less? No. God's love is unconditional. And we actually can't measure it with our own human understanding. But he describes what it is in John three sixteen. Right? Does anybody know that one?
1: So the world. The world.
0: He so loved the world, right, that he gave me his only begotten Son. That who shall ever, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, so you know we we read that and we see it and we hear it so many times, but we don't understand the depth of what that means, right? he loved the world he gave his son you know i mean there's you know the other verse in the bible and God, when jesus says that uh, no love has, no 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 greater love no greater love hath this than a man lay down his life for his friend right so to understand the idea of sacrificing self for somebody that is the example of love but in this case you know, Here's God the Father who is with God the Son for eternity. And God the Son then becomes incarnate to go and die on the cross. And not only that, but God the Son, as he's doing that, is going to have all the sins of the world placed on him. And the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the Son. So it's not just, oh, he sent his son to die. No, he sent his son to die so that God could punish him in our place. And the punishment that, that Jesus took, we could never understand that. We don't understand what that means. Um, we understand what punishment is, we've been punished before, but to the extent that Jesus was punished, we have no idea. Yeah. They used to, you know, feudal times back when you had, uh, you know, well, you still have kings, but I mean, when, when the monarchs were active and you had a, a, a king who was a child and the child got in trouble. They would not spank the child because the child was king. So they would spank the whipping boy. So the whipping boy was a substitute. And so the substitute got spanked instead of the king. <laughs> so it was a weird situation, but it's, it's kind of a picture of this. But in, in, in our case, it's not just uh, it's not a whipping that Jesus, Jesus was whipped, but the punishment he took. So when people go to hell, how long are they there for? Forever, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that there is a punishment for eternity for every person in hell. For believers, if they were not saved, where would they go? Mm -hmm. To hell. And they too would be punished for Mm -hmm. eternity. So, But what God did was to take the sin off those believers and put it on his son, right? So then, what punishment... Did Jesus have to endure on the cross in our behalf? He had to endure the eternal punishment that we deserved. So you have to ask yourself the question, how then, how could God the Father place an eternal or eternity of punishment on God the Son in a three-hour time period? He can only do it if Jesus is an infinite being. So God the Father is able to place an infinite amount of punishment on an infinite being in a three-hour time frame. What was that punishment like?
1: I don't know. Well, he said in the garden, please take this cup from I me. Mean, so he knew it was great. He said, not my your will. Yeah, he knew. He was sweating, he was blood. sweating
0: blood. drops, Great drops yeah. of blood. He
1: knew what it was
0: it was, going to be, uh, it was going to be trying time for him. I think even more so was he was more concerned about the separation from the Father that had never taken place. This is like, you know, you lose your right arm and it's separated from you and you've had it all your life, right? How do you feel about that? Well, Jesus is going to be separated from God who had been eternally in perfect communion up until these three hours on the cross. Which is a
1: said. crazy concept because that doesn't mean the Trinity ceased
0: to exist right now. No, the Trinity still existed. Yeah. Is, but, but what does it say about God? God says thine eye." It says about God, thine eyes are too pure to look upon evil, right? right. And thou, count, right. thou canst not look upon evil with favor, in Ecclesiastes, right? So then when it says that Jesus is on the cross absorbing all the punishment for us, what happened? He sinned. God cannot look upon sin with favor. And so he turns, literally, turns away from the Son, that separation, and God, God the Son on the cross says what? My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Because our sin is placed on him. I mean, that alone is a horrific thought, that he's separated from God the Father. But then on top of that, the punishment is, from all believers for all eternity is placed on him in that three hours. That's what that means when it says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So So we talk about God's love. He also died for us, right? In that while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So love expresses itself in action, right? God is our example. He demonstrated his love for us in sending Jesus to die in our place, right? That's uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, God, made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So God took our sins, put it on Jesus. He took Jesus' righteousness and put it on us. So that when God looks at us, he no longer sees us as the filthy, rotten sinners that we are. He sees us as righteous because of what Christ did on our behalf. Okay. Okay. Personal application. Because God loves me unconditionally, I must return his love by worshiping and serving him. I can do no less. Right. How about truth? God is the only true God. Psalm thirty-one five says, Into your hand I commit my spirit, you have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Right? And in the I think in the In the New Testament, Jesus also says that, your word is truth. His truth endures, For his mercy, kindness is great towards us and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. So God's truth is above all. He is truthful even if all men are found to be liars. By the way, are all men liars? Right? All men are liars, right? Even if they've never told a lie, they're liars,
1: right? (laughs) Why? Because they're not living all the way according to God's truth. Yeah, they can't, right?
0: are not truth. Right? And, and in John, what does it say that, uh, who is the liar? So we, we have a verse that says, no liars will enter into heaven, right? What is the, what, in the definition in, in, in 1 John, who is a liar? Denies son. the son. a liar is the one who denies the son, does not believe Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so all men are liars. We were all that way before we're set, saved, right? So that when it says that, you know, uh, even if all men are found to be liars, well, we are all liars, okay? And even if you've never said a lie, when you didn't believe in God, you're defined as a liar. But uh, you could also say this in, in James, it said, whoever, for whoever shall keep the whole law, but yet stumble at one point is guilty of all. So therefore, we've guilty of broken broken. If we've only broken one part of the law, we've broken it all. So then, how should we live in light of this? God's word has and will always stand the test of absolute truth. So we must align our thinking and behavior with it no matter how we feel. So, what does that say though about God's word, the Bible? You know, this is a big sticking point for people a lot of times, is when we talk about Genesis. Right? They want to say, "Well, I believe, I believe everything after, you know, Genesis three. You know, the rest of that is allegory. It's it's stories. It's myth Go and fable." Go to the right? Creation Museum. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, it's so. True. It's, you gotta believe his word. Right. So, you know, it's like if somebody doesn't want to believe that part of God's word, where do they start believing it? You know, and then why do they? If if they're picking and choosing that the first part isn't true, then how do you know the last part is true? Exactly. Six so, literal days. Six literal days. Um, and so, you know, the, the I, by the way, they would never, never, ever question before 1850s. What happened in 1850s? Darwin. Before yes. Darwin. There was a guy by the name of Charles Lyell, and he was a geologist. And, you know, he was the one looking at all of the layers of rock and said, oh, each layer represent." represents a year of flood and dust and whatever and so he counted on us oh the earth is millions and millions of years old and that played right into darwin because darwin he who actually was initially i think in a seminary rejected became a hater of god or he was always hater of god um, but then he wanted to demonstrate that the bible was wrong and so oh this plays right and so then it's the you know, he comes up with his idea of evolution and species develop over long eons of time. But by the way, Darwin, who said that um, if the simple cell is not simple, his whole theory falls apart. That was Darwin's words himself. And now we know that that a simple cell is not simple. It's more complicated than a space shuttle. It's it's a it's a it's a factory of its own. Right. And uh does anybody know what the actual title of Darwin's book was? You know, it wasn't the... The Origin of Species? Yeah, The Origin of Species. There's the last part that, oh, they conveniently don't put on there. But it says The Origin of Species and the Natural Selection of the Races, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. Meaning that, you know... He was a racist. He was a racist. Yeah. He was a racist, so. But they don't want to do that because how would they teach that in public school? <laughs> so. Mercy. Yeah. You know, God's great mercy is, is the practical expression of his compassion to those who have opposed his will, right? His mercy means we do not get what we deserve, right? And grace is getting, is getting something that we haven't earned, right? Grace, if you want to just – the word G-R-A-C-E – God's riches at Christ's expense. That's his grace towards us. So then, Psalm um, Psalm 145, 8 through 9. Can you read that, Kimberly?
3: The Lord is gracious and
5: full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender
4: mercies are over all his works.
0: Thank you. Yes. Uh-oh. Sometimes you know you get the wrong button and you never go back. Hmm. So then, Psalm 133 and 4, if you, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So then, personal application. All praises do the Lord for his great mercy. You know, we don't get what we deserve. We deserve death, right? But he is gracious. He is merciful. He allows us to continue on. He loves us. So application, in light of the attributes of God we've discussed, how will you be affected? Well, knowing his attributes should drive us to worship him, our prayers should be filled with praise and thanksgiving. How would you respond then to a major trial in your life, such as a death of a close loved one, an accident that leaves you physically disabled? How do you respond to these things? Well, we know that God's in control, right? And... When it seems that God's forsaken me, I must remember that he has a purpose for each event and thing in my life, and that even in death, there is victory. That in the great tragedies of life, his purpose is always to do good to his children. And such assurance is overwhelming to us. So um, what do we cover today? God, his characters, and his attributes. And there's a couple we didn't cover um, at, the, at the, like 12, let's see, 12 is infinity, Transcend- transcendence, Tran- I'm upside transcendence. down, transcendence, yes, and, and um, eminence, eminence. And so these, i just quickly give you a quick uh, um, description on those. Transcendence means to exist above and independent from, right? To rise above and surpass, succeed. By this definition, God is the only true transcendent being, the Lord God Almighty in Hebrew, El Shaddai, created all things on earth, uh, beneath the earth, and in the heavens above. He, yet he exists above and independent from them all. So all things are upheld by, the, by his mighty power, Hebrews 1.3. Yet uh, he is upheld by himself alone. The whole universe exists in him and for him that he may receive all the glory, honor, and praise. And then imminence. The immanence of God means that he is knowable, perceivable, or graspable. For example, Jesus Christ is God incarnate, which means in the flesh, and therefore he was imminent in the first century among those who knew him, perceived of him, or experienced him with one or more of their five senses. So there's those two. Any questions on all these? We could study God's attributes for a long, long time and never, never be fully fulfilled.